0: Welcome to Go Church Beirut, your place to love, grow, and go. Get ready to hear an inspiring message recorded during a Go Church Beirut gathering. Hallelujah. So, our, our key scripture for this month is from the second letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. We'll look at this in detail in the Grow Group, but I'm going to read it from this uh, Greek translation. It says, he, that's God, he, he is able to cause his grace to overflow in your lives. I, I was really enjoying watching Christelle uh, up here because I was thinking, this is a great example of someone who the grace is overflowing in her life. God is able to make His grace overflow in your lives so that in all things, at all times, you will have All you need and much more besides so that you will overflow in the way you bless others. That's in the Bible. (laughs) God is able to make you overflow so that when you're blessing others, you're not doing it from the bottom of what you have. It's from the top. God wants to overflow in you so that he can overflow through you. And he is able to do it. He's able to do it. In fact, as we go through the whole month, we're going to look at three ways that we are able We're able through Jesus and the covenant. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, the covenant. And then we're able through the word of promise and the blessing. Do you know that the blessing of the Lord is one of the most powerful things you can get a revelation of? If you believed that God blessed you, 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 I mean, this isn't like the thing that you say when someone sneezes. This is the thing that makes the difference. It separates you. And then we're able through the wisdom and power of the Holy Spirit. All all month in our grow groups, this is what we're going to dig into. You know, the understanding the wisdom of God through the Holy Spirit is how we access the power of God. And there is, there's some truth in there that I'm, I'm excited for you guys to get in the grow groups because that is where it becomes practical. That's where this becomes life-changing. Today, though, here's a play on words. I want to talk about a guy called Abel. I realize in Arabic, his name is spelled different. His name is spelled different in English, too. And uh, it's Cain's brother. And I want us to look at what the Bible says about this guy called Abel. And this is from Hebrews chapter 11, this verse that I have up here. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews is in the New Testament. Do You know what is all through Hebrews 11? It's stories about how the world thought this person isn't able, but God made them able. Again and again. By faith, Noah, who couldn't swim and didn't know how to spell boat, built a boat. By faith, Moses, who couldn't speak, was used by God to give the law to the whole world. Able. God has an excellent track record of making people that the world decided are not able, able. But let's look at Cain's brother. Hebrews chapter eleven verse four says, "By faith Abel offered to God." Oh no, we're going to talk about offerings. Yes, yes, we are. Woo hoo! By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained he Abel obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his of his gifts. Now notice this. And through it, he, Abel, Cain's brother, being dead, still speaks. I want you to hold that in your mind. Abel, dead, still speaking. Notice he says here that through his offering, he obtained a witness. And it says righteous. You know, that's the same thing God said about Abraham. The reason Abraham was called righteous was because of his faith. By faith, before Abraham was even thought of, here's Abel. And Abel expresses faith by what he did in an offering. You want to say, well, you know, offerings don't really matter, it's not really important. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says at all. In Acts chapter 10, an angel came to a pagan Roman soldier and said, your generosity has gotten God's attention. Offerings are a big deal because it's an opportunity to express faith. Now, these aren't the original pictures because... You know, when Cain and Abel, they only had black and white pictures, so I got color ones, okay? You know the story of Cain and Abel? We read about this in Genesis chapter 4. Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's sons. First kids. Cain was the oldest. And then... His baby brother Abel. In Genesis chapter 4, it says, When it was time for harvest, Cain, notice this, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Well, that's nice. Now, if you, we won't take time, but if you read backwards from Genesis chapter 4, you'll see there's no commandment that they should do this. There's no instructions to do this. And what we just read in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Abel's offering was accepted because of faith. But here it says at harvest time, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift. Look, the best portion. Of the firstborn of his flock. Now, I want you to see this. Neither one of these guys gave all that they had. It doesn't say that Abel took all of his sheep and offered them to the Lord. It says that he took the best and the first. And Cain, he took some. You know what that looks like, right? That looks like today is the big Sunday. And so, since it's the big Sunday, I'm going to take my envelope and I'm going to get it ready. I'm going to get it ready ahead of time. And then I'm going to bring this to the Lord. Abel's offering was accepted because it was offered in faith. And we see that it was in faith because of what he did to make it special. He set something aside. He said, I'm going to give this. His brother reached in, bottom of his pocket, and just pulled out something. I heard once someone say, you know, I tried giving, but it didn't really work for me. Like, actually, I think it tried you, and you didn't make it. Boy, it's quiet. (laughs) Offerings he just wants our money. What money, baby? (laughs) Carrefour wants your money. I want you to overflow. How are you going to overflow? By letting his grace work in you. The first thing, and the most important thing I want you to see with this, what made the difference wasn't the amount. It was the faith. It was faith. So you see little Abel there. He's got his sheep. A preacher that I listened to as an instructor, actually, of mine in Bible school, he said that sheep, maybe that sheep's name was Fluffy. That sheep could jump higher than any of the other sheep. It was prettier. It was the best. And he said, I'm going to give this one as it grew as it grew and and it it you know it ate he took care of it the whole time he's taking care of it this is an offering for the lord this is an offering for the lord you know what that is that's faith or we could say it another way this is grace working in him god is able to make all grace overflow there's a there's a flow of grace working in Cain's brother until finally he gives his offering. I love this picture. Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 and 5, 3 through 5 says, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift. Why? By faith. It was faith. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Wow. Yeah. This made Cain very angry. Say, very angry. Very angry. And he looked dejected. Look, Cain is upset. Why? Because he did something and it wasn't good enough. You know, there's such a thing as not good enough. Look, Cain is very angry and dejected. You know what those are? Those are emotions. Emotions make life fun and full of color, but emotions make terrible decision makers you want, you can go back on our YouTube channel and and listen to an excellent message Pastor Matt Beamer did called Emotions. The Lord engaged Cain immediately on this. He said, why are you so angry, man? What's up? (laughs) He didn't punish him. He asked him a question. Why are you so angry what's up? People say, you know, the Lord never talks to me. They're going to be proven wrong in the day of judgment. The Bible says that even the invisible nature of God is clearly seen in creation. God immediately went to Cain and said, why are you so angry? Look at this. He says, why do you look so dejected? Do you know walking around angry and dejected is not the way a child of God should walk around and look? Period. If you're frustrated all the time, you are not in faith. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. This is God talking to Cain. Hey, real simple solution, just change. Then he says this. Mm -hmm. If you refuse, if you refuse, refuse what? What he just said, do what is right. What is right? Faith, give in faith. Faith in what? faith that God is able. Able to do what? To make you overflow so that you always have all that you need and can overflow in blessing others. Just give in faith. Faith in what? That he's able. But if you don't, sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. Wait a minute. Look who is actually in control. Cain still has a choice. Notice he said if you you must subdue it. What? Sin. Can I do that? We're reading the Bible. This instruction actually sounds exactly like Rooted 2.0. You are the president and chief of you. You get to decide what you get mad at, what you get offended at. If you were with uh, with me in, in the grow group that I filled in for for Roy, I told a story about a guy that was getting his hair cut and he couldn't handle it, and so he had to go out and yell at a woman and throw out, or uh, upset some flowers. He said, "If I didn't do that, I wouldn't be able to sleep." Why? Because he was so mad. Why? Because she'd shouted at him. That sounds dumb when you say it out loud. (laughs) That really happened. God told Cain, hey, you need to do something about you. I can't. I just, you know, I try and I can't. Stop lying. Stop believing lies. Oh, I wish I could change. Hush. Hush. You know, Cain wasn't born again. There was no born again. None. And God told him, you are in charge of you. Well, if you know the story, this is what happened. While they, Cain and Abel, were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and he killed him. That's sad. And you can kind of guess how that went. They're going out. On their way out, Abel is happy, right? You know why? Because Abel's blessed. Cain, man, you know how many sheep I had? You know how many I have now? And, and you know what I found yesterday? I found this big field full of clover. I think I'm going to push my sheep up into that and uh, and let them graze there. God is blessing me. My, I, I just I, I've got so many sheep. And while while he's talking, Cain is thinking. Cain is thinking. Well, the the weeds have grown up. It seems like weeds have just come from nowhere. The fruit is fallen. There's bugs eating my eating my uh, vegetables. He's thinking all you know the opposite. Everything that that Abel, his brother, is talking. He's experiencing the opposite. Abel's so excited, and then he just can't he can't handle it anymore, and snaps, picks up a rock, and kills his brother. over an offering. When he did that, the Lord came to Cain and asked him a question. He said, what have you done? You see, when Abel made his offering, he got into a relationship with God. And when Cain attacked Abel, the Lord came to him and said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. if you keep reading, things didn't go well for Cain. There was his brother's blood, and God said, that blood is talking to me. The Bible says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And here, Abel... Is laying on the ground. Cain thinks he's finished. He's not. Instead, the blood of his brother is now talking. What was it saying? It says, It cries out to me. What was he crying out? He was crying out for vengeance. Make this right. I don't deserve this. I did what was right. I'm crying out for vengeance. The blood of Abel cried out for vengeance and justice. There was a relationship, and God came and answered that cry. Blood is a big deal to God. Life. I want to kind of pivot here. Everyone knows I love history. And talk briefly about this guy. I think in the podcast I made a mistake. I said he was English. He was actually from Scotland. In 1840, this guy named uh, David Livingston went to Africa. 1840. So, very, very poor cell coverage at that time, like it, like it didn't exist. He goes, and he spent 14 years crossing the continent of Africa. He was credited with being the first person to cross Africa, although later they discovered that Arab traders had been doing it for years, but anyway. The thing is, Livingston, he doesn't seem very friendly in that photo. (laughs) Maybe the reason he didn't seem very friendly is he had a hard time adjusting to the food and water in Africa. Now, uh, Chance and Joseph, they just came back from Africa. And maybe, from what I heard, maybe Joseph needed some goat's milk. David Livingston, all he could manage to survive on was the milk from this goat. He had a lot of problems and no access to Normax at all. And so he drank goat's milk. And uh, so his little goat named Mildred I don't know if that was actually his goat's name, but he led this little goat everywhere. Now, think about this. How important is this little goat? Very important, yeah. And uh, he's not like leading the goat through Biblos; He's going through the bush in Africa, not on a trail, just like, I'm going this way. I think... I think we should go this way. There's a lot of things that will eat Mildred the goat. Like he could go to bed, wake up the next morning, and a, a snake has eaten half of Mildred. Oh no. So he had to keep very close attention on this goat. Why? Because it was the only thing keeping him alive. Well, you can look this up. As they traveled, they came to this um, kind of larger encampment village, and that village was ruled by a sort of king chief. This village practiced blood covenants. And um, the person that Livingston was traveling with said, you should make a covenant with this chief. So they began negotiating and finally came up to terms of a covenant. And terms of a covenant meant they made promises to one another. Livingston made promises to this chief. The chief then made promises to Livingston. And those promises were to serve, to keep, and to protect one another. Livingston was going through the process, learning a lot in the process of of experiencing this, until they come to the part of making this covenant where they have to give one another a pledge or a token They have to give something of value to their covenant partner. Livingston had a gold watch, very nice gold watch. And he thought for sure, the chief is going to want my gold watch. But instead, the chief said, I want Mildred the goat. And through the interpreter, Livingston's like, uh, no, <laughs> sorry, uh, this is, you know, this is my only food source, something else. Do you like watches? He said, no, I want the goat. And the interpreter, the, the guide that he's with, he's like, you, you want to make this deal, give him the goat. It's not going to go well with us if we get this far into the covenant and we decide that we're not going to do it. It's not like everything's going to be okay. So Livingston reluctantly gives the goat. The chief is very happy. They start some music. They're leading the goat around in the village. Yay! Hooray! Livingston's like, not good. And then the chief says, here, I want to present you with my gift to you. My stick. An ornate, carved, wooden staff. Vandalt. And, of course, you know what Livingston's thinking. Man, I just got cheated. What am I going to do with this stick? I mean, it's pretty. Somebody spent a lot of time on it. But at the end of the day, I cannot get milk out of this. They finish... The time there in the village and they it's time for them to leave. This is where they're going, like just that way. <laughs> and here he walks off into the into the bush with his ornate staff and his guide. And no Mildred the goat. But the next village he came to, do you know what happened? When they saw that staff, they called him king. The people in the village came out and they bowed down to him. He's like, no, no, stand up. And they called him king. Why? Because they recognized that that staff that he was carrying, that he thought was just an ornate wooden stick, was the symbol that he was in covenant with that other village. And that if they didn't do good things for him, the man that gave him that stick was going to show up with a bigger stick. Livingston went from having one goat to all of the goats along his path. Because he got into a covenant relationship with someone, he began drawing on resources that were not his own. His covenant with that chief made it so that the integrity and power of that village now was traveling with him. And in fact, it went out ahead of him because everywhere he went, that other village chief had already been. And they said, oh, we've got to do what he says. We've got to give them whatever they need. He went from having one goat that at any point could have taken ill, Been eaten by an alligator or a hippo, to now he had whatever he needed. It is why he made it all the way. A covenant ties the promises that are made to the integrity of the person who made it. And the people that he encountered. Respected the token of that covenant that he was carrying. He was carrying a wooden staff that said, I am able, because he, the one I'm in covenant with, is able. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 8, When men make solemn promises, they swear by someone greater than themselves. By taking an oath, they confirm what they say is true. You go to court, they ask you to swear. I swear I'm telling you the truth. Ultimately, you're pledging what you say against penalty that will hurt you. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 18 says, Why should God make his promise with an oath? Think about that. That's a pretty decent question. God could say anything, but in relation to the covenant, he chose. Himself to take an oath, to swear, to enter covenant with me and you. It says that he confirmed his promises by taking an oath. God bound himself with an oath, I'm reading from the NLT, two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. I like this from the Wycliffe translation. It says that by two things unmovable, by which it is impossible for God to lie, we could have strong confidence. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about not Livingston and his goat. I'm talking about communion. What Michael just let us in. I thought Michael was going to preach my sermon. God didn't have to swear, but he did. When Jesus, we read this every big Sunday and we just kind of, I think, sometimes go past it. Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. You know what that is? That's covenant language. It's the declaration of, here's my here's my token. Here's the token of this covenant that I'm making for you. And when he says, you do this, you take this, you break it and eat it in remembrance of me, this is covenant language. This is, you take what I've said, and then take it as confidence that this guarantees every promise of God. Every promise of God is guaranteed by the broken body and poured out, spilled blood of Jesus. It would be enough for God just to say, I love you. I will bless you. I will make you able. But he said, that's not enough. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to guarantee it. And I'm going to give you the broken body and spilled blood of Jesus as a guarantee, as a token. That's the language from Genesis chapter nine, by the way, the very first time God introduces covenant in the Bible. He said, here's a token that you can know and you can have sure that I will not change my mind about this. Sorry, Patricia. The communion elements of the Lord are miraculous. And they are living and alive because they represent my covenant with God. And they are examples of why I am able. I know I'm able. I have confidence in able because I have the broken body and spilled blood of Jesus. Look at this verse. It says Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant. For those of you that uh, join with us at Rhema, we're actually going to take and do a detailed study on this. But that word mediator, that's really important. Jesus is the mediator, the Bible says, between me and God. In other words, he stood in for me. And where I couldn't give the goat, Jesus gave his life. And this is a better covenant. Michael said it, better covenant, established on better promises. This isn't the promise of goats everywhere we go. This isn't promise of protection as we go into different villages. This is the creator who said, I will make a way for you who are separated by sin to come into my family. The redemption that Jesus consummated for us, that guarantees every promise he's made. Hebrews chapter 12, remember Abel? Abel's blood crying out? Hebrews chapter 12, that was, that was Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Hebrews wasn't written in chapter and verse. It all comes to this verse here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24 says, Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling, His blood poured out on the mercy seat in heaven, and his blood speaks better things, better things than Abel. When Abel's blood hit the ground, Abel's blood began to cry out for vengeance and justice. When the blood of Jesus was poured out, it started crying out as well, but it cried out better things. It began to say, redeemed, saved, healed, able. The blood of Jesus today is crying out about you. It has your name, and it says that you're able you're able to receive and you're able to walk in the fullness of what God has planned. Why? Because His blood is the guarantee of a better covenant established on better promises. The blood of Jesus right now is speaking better things than that of Abel. It says this, read this. We are... More than conquerors. More than conquerors. The blood of Jesus today says this about you. What do you say? The book of Hebrews is one of my favorite in the New Testament. It's actually a sermon. You think I preach long. He asks a question. The the writer of the epistle to the Hebrews asks a question. It says, how are you going to escape if you ignore such a great salvation? Escape what? Judgment. Man, talking about offerings and judgment in the same Sunday? Come on. This is Hebrews. This is the New Testament. He asks a question. It's an important question. How do you think you're going to escape judgment if you ignore such a great salvation? What great salvation? The blood of Jesus, precious and holy, poured out for me and for you. Speaking right now, better things than that of Abel. Doesn't cry out for vengeance and justice. He cries out for mercy. He cries out for forgiveness. He cries out redemption for me and for you. Good question. And here's the the application. The application is I don't receive from God based on what he is able to do. I receive from God based on what I'm able to believe. I'm going to finish and ask Joseph to come help me, but I want to tell a story. In 1993, which was a long time ago, except for people that were just graduating from Bible school like me, In the state of Florida, there was a guy who really no one had ever heard of. Many people still have never heard of him. A preacher. A pastor invited him to come speak at his church. This really happened. This is documented. He came for two weeks to this meeting. It lasted for two months. In two months, 8,000 people came through this church, gave their life to Jesus, got filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, were miraculously healed, signs and wonders and miracles. One night, the meeting finished very late. Some ministers decided that they wanted to go get something to eat, they had been attending the meeting, and everything was closed. They drove 40 miles is what, 90 kilometers, something like that? They drove 40 miles away, which is 18 kilograms. I don't know the metric system. Oh, They drove away from where the meeting was. They walked into this restaurant. A little after midnight, it was a Waffle House of all things. All the employees, this is 40 miles away, all the employees were on the ground in the restaurant under the power of God, speaking in other tongues and prophesying. These ministers went in and, what's happened? In talking to them, they said, eventually, when they got them up off the floor, they said, yeah, about nine o'clock tonight, a wind blew through the restaurant and knocked us all over. Jesus in John chapter 16 said, up till now, you haven't asked me anything. What is God able to do with us? Who are we to build limits and talk ourselves out of the absolute miraculous in these days, in this place? He is able. He's able to overflow in you and make you able. Thank you for joining us at Go Church Beirut. Go Church Beirut exists so that everyone can experience the unconditional love of God, grow in His love, and go with His love to their world. To stay connected with all that is happening at Go Church, Follow us on social media at GoChurchBeirut. And if no one told you yet today, we love you and expect God's best for you.